Hi, my name is Mike, and this is my podcast, Plant Pals, where I talk to my pals about plants. My pal this week is Cheryl Creer. She's a fantastic botanist that works all over California. Hello. Who are you? I'm Cheryl Creer. I'm a, I guess I would call myself, I'm a botanist and a wetland delineation specialist. Um, I also like to call myself a biostitute. Um, I don't know <laughs> if that's that one, that, if you've heard that one. No, so it's biology prostitute? Yeah. <laughs> it's, what, it's what consulting biologists call ourselves because you like, okay. it's like we're getting paid to do the biology by like sometimes developers. I don't work for developers, but it's, it's like it's because like we aren't just doing the science for academia or like for the love of it. Um, so that was, I heard that at my first consulting job. Uh, one of my coworkers was like, oh yeah, we're biostitutes. I was like, yeah, I like it. <laughs> In the nonprofit world, you guys are called the dark side. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> my boss is always like, you're going to go to the dark side after this. I'm like, like, I don't know. You're paying me $12 an hour. Seriously. And also I have to say like, I mean, consulting is like an incestuous little revolving door. Everyone just goes to different companies and bounces around, but like, so many of the people I went to school with um, and friends I have are consultants. And, like, we're the people you want out there making sure people are following the laws. Like, we're the yeah. people who are, like, making sure PG&E stays in line and does what they're supposed to do. And they have to pay us for it. So I think it's good. <laughs> You're like um, Bionatrix bi bi instead of Bostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Biostitute rolls off the tongue a little bit. I know. Better. Yeah, I really, I struggled with that one. That one was hard yeah, for me to yeah. get out. Yeah, but, and then, I mean, the flip side is I also feel like, sometimes I feel like what I do, like, isn't as important as just, like, research or science for the sake of it. But I feel like what I'm doing is, like, real-world botany. Um, yeah, and you're, like, the line between a butterfly going extinct, yes. like we were talking about before we recorded, and yeah. or not. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually really, it depends. I mean, consulting is a really big world, and it depends on the firm you're at and the projects you work on. But I usually work on large-scale infrastructure and utility projects. So they can be these really neat, like, one of my first projects was a project that went from Victorville to Bullhead City. And so it was basically Damn. a transect across the desert. And I just got to do rare plant surveys across this corridor. It was that's awesome. so cool. Yeah, so, but it depends, you know, you have to not work on things that are that are gross or you don't feel good about. And that can be kind of a tough balance. Um, but it's also really a challenging job, so I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, as I understand it, what comes after the field work? You're out there, you're taking data, taking surveys. Yeah. And then yeah. That, part, that portion's done. Like, what is the next step? What's the unfun part? So, everything that we do is driven by uh, regulations, right? It's driven by CEQA, the California Environmental Quality Act. 
Um, and California has some of the most strict environmental laws of any state. And also California has a really high diversity of plants and a lot of rare and endemic species. So we have a lot of things that are protected. We have CNPS doing a lot of advocacy, working you know, with CDFW and state agencies to get plants listed and protected. So the reason why I do botanical surveys in the first place, and it's not just full floristic surveys, it's also vegetation mapping to the to the MCV, Manual of California Veg, um, because there's also sensitive natural communities that get protection under state laws or through CDFW. So we do veg mapping, we do full floristic surveys, and then we also do noxious weed um, surveys because what we're doing most of the time is getting your baseline survey of what an area looks like prior to any work or construction, because um, that's what's re required by the environmental regulations in California. So we do the survey, um, we write up the report, and the technical report, what we found, what we didn't find, a good veg map. Um, and then that'll go into, like if it's a CEQA document, it'll go into all of the big environmental um, it will go into the environmental impact and go to public review and that whole process for projects to get approved or denied. So I've worked on projects from beginning to end where we do all the surveys, all the biological studies, and um, then the project gets denied. Cool. I still got to do some really cool surveys. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, you know. So that's like the basic bit of what I do. It's I, my background is purely not purely, but I'm a I'm a botanist. I'm a taxonomist. That's that's my jam. So I don't do a lot of like restoration or ecology. I don't think my brain works that way. <laughs> like it's just like there's so many things to keep track of, and my mind is like wants to wrap my head around all of it and understand it. And you can't do that in ecology. It's like way too complex yeah. um yeah so I'm very like the systematics is something I really like and what's really cool in my view about the surveys I get to do and the work I do is that I get to survey places that most people don't get access to um for any number of reasons like it's private property, it's public utility land, no one has access to it. So a lot of places I've surveyed are like CNDDB black holes. There's like no records of any plants or rare plants. Um, so you're kind of like writing a whole new mini flora. That's basically what we do. It's like writing a flora of what you're surveying. And a lot of times it's, especially because of the nature of the projects I work on, it's remote it's areas other people haven't really looked at, other white people haven't really looked at. So it can be really fun because you never know like what you're going to find. Even on roadside yeah. surveys, yeah, you can find all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned you're into taxonomy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this has been a hotly debated subject for a couple days now with my friends and I. Mm -hmm. Is there actually a difference between subspecies and variety or is it just for the sake of conversation to say that? Okay so I asked I this is one of the things that I asked like my professors about so I went to SF State and I learned with Bob Patterson um, who's he's since retired but he's one of the Jepson editors so I asked him about that and he was like they're not really different and I, if I'm remembering correctly, he was like, it was kind of like a school of thought. Like, it's like East Coast, West Coast, North, NorCal, SoCal. And I think some of the Southern California botanists were more inclined to use variety 
and NorCal are more inclined to use subspecies. In my experience, I don't really see there being a difference at like, they're not taxonomically different. Like they're the same level, right? They're the same hierarchical level. So it like kind of is neither here nor there. It's just more annoying when you're trying to be correct and you don't remember if it's variety or species. Yeah, or if it's subspecies and variety. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. Like, Dudleya is the ultimate example to me of just a hot fucking mess. Uh, like, what is yeah. it? The one we were, we talked, we were talking about this recently. The Dudleya, um, Abramsii sicelia. Oh, yeah. Yes. Which oh my also god. is like, it's, it's another species and subspecies yes. and variety or something. Yeah, so you can go by the, what is it, like, near the Coyote, is it Coyote Creek? substation across the street from like the highway where yep. this Dudleya grows and also the streptanthus is there and like Which i've never been to yeah no because it's not property. it's private property no one's allowed to don't go, go there. there don't put mm-hmm. on a high vis pretend you work there nope nope don't use your pg e number two key to let yourself in um it's so yeah that's another one we're in the jepson it's like the difference is like color i think in the petals and then it's literally comes down to substrate. So I had a project I was working on in that sort of in the vicinity where I'm like, this literally looks like the rare one, but it's not on serpentine. So I guess it's not the rare one. <laughs> like that yeah. was the best I could do. Um, I love that kind of shit though. Like I'll go down deeper. Oh yeah. Levels. I foam at the mouth talking about it. <laughs> um, also like if we decided they yeah oh my god astragalus lentiginosus has like talk your shit last time i counted like 16 varieties yeah like, oh what the fuck? It, what's the one that has 49 47 oh, 49 it's not lentiginosus but it's like and but at the same time i came out of tom parker's lab manzanita dude and there are some people who are like these are not distinct species and i'm like manzanitas yeah well some of them yeah tom's like like they are but so i get why people are like i'm not a lumper or a splitter i should say but i get why people get frustrated and i get frustrated with the varieties but if you if you are the person who's doing the research and you can see and and show that there is like a difference then yeah, write the fucking key with 40 varieties. Like, if that's what you see, that's what you see. Um, If it's not that, then lump it together. Um, Yeah, Arctostaphylos pacifica has two, like, TWO (laughs) individuals known to science. Yeah. And they're, like, a complex hybrid that just kind of stabilized recently enough that we can be like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, it's really... The whole story of Arctis. So I start. I worked on Arctisaphilus in grad school. I tried for three years to get a uh, phylogeny. Um, Dang. Yeah, it was like. So I'll just back up. So I. Thank you for your service. <laughs> Dude, I like so. <laughs> I transferred to SO State as a general bio major, and in my undergrad or like. No, it was like a bio, my bio majors, like bio, biology, like bio, whatever, basic bio. In the lab, the part where we go over, where you learn about xylem and phloem, I was like, what is, like, what is this? This is, I didn't even know plants, like, were so cool like this. I was so, I just, like, 
immediately got intrigued and wanted to know more. And I remember talking to my lab instructor and I was like, is like studying plants like a thing? And he was like, yeah. And we actually have a really good, we have like a department here and it's really good. I was like, okay. So I went and met with Bob Patterson and switched to be a, a botany major. And um, so I spent three years finishing up my undergrad at SF State and I probably would have like stayed forever if they had a PhD program. But mm-hmm. so I finished my undergrad and I knew I wanted to go to grad school. Plus it was like, I know we're in a recession, but I went through the great recession as a college student. <laughs> so it was the great recession. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just stay in school and take on more debt and like see where this gets me. And I had been studying with both Bob Patterson and Tom Parker, who are amazing um, they're amazing at what they do and they're really good teachers. Like, and I had this amazing cohort of people. So I'd been talking to Bob about joining his lab to work on plant systematics. And Bob worked on polymoniaceae and hydrophils and bore edges. But he was going to retire. So he was like, I'm not taking new students, but you should tell Tom you want to do systematics. And he will take you in a second because he's dying for someone to do Manzanita systematics. So I was like, okay, like stupid, (laughs) stupid me, like all ear. So I I basically like, I didn't really care what I worked on. I wanted to be like in that atmosphere with those professors and um, just doing any plant systematics. Like I didn't care really what it was. So I got into Tom's lab and, um, so my, my plan, and I started like my last semester of my senior year starting to work on it. And at the time, like uh, chloroplast DNA was like kind of new being used. So this was like 2010. Jesus, it's been a while. Um, so chloroplast DNA was sort of like a new thing. And now people are sequencing entire chloroplast genomes to like create phy- phylogenies. But I was just looking at three regions. Um, because at the time, you know, like DNA barcoding was just exploding and everyone's like, we're just going to stick a probe in a tree and it's going to tell us what it is. And I was like, that doesn't work on manzanitas. <laughs> like, good luck with that. So everyone was using nuclear DNA and it would give you like no resolution with manzanitas. Um, so I came along and I'm like, cool, I'm going to use like chloroplast regions. So there was like three different regions of the chloroplast And I looked at, I don't know how many I ended up sequencing, um, but I could just like get no resolution still. And it was basically like someone needs to do the whole chloroplast to do this. And we didn't have the technology or time or money to do it yet. Um, So then I switched. The other thing that was really cool was the year before I started, I'd already talked to Tom about joining his lab, was when they found the um, Franciscan Manzanita you know about that story? Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell it real quick? Oh, it was so cool. Um, so there's Arctocephalus franciscana, um, and it was last known, I'm going to botch the years, it was like in the 50s. Yeah, it must have been the 50s because Alice Eastwood was still alive. So yeah. there's this, it's Laurel Hill Cemetery, literally Laurel Hill, San Francisco, where was the last known occurrence of this population of um, Arctocephalus franciscana. It's one of the lower mat forming kind of like uva ursi, like serpentine. And um, at this was when all of the bodies in the cemeteries, it's like 
uh, there was like odd fellows. There were a few. They all got dug up and moved down to Colma. Because, you know, like Colma, there's more dead people than live yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. It's a necropolis. So, Seriously. Like, yeah. So this Manzanita, this was like the last known population of it. And um, it basically got like bulldozed. And there's photos of Alice Eastwood with this population. Um, and people took cuttings. So we've had them in like botanic gardens and but not in the, in the wild. And then, um, so that was in the fifties, uh, I think. And then, uh, fast forward and they're doing the new Doyle drive construction over at the Presidio, like fixing the road. And, um, Michael Chasse who works, I think he still works with the park service. Oh, wait, I didn't realize, I didn't know it was him, him. I work with him sometimes yeah. on, uh, the Lysingia Germanorum yeah. in Fort Funston. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was oh, he's so coy. I was talking his ear off about it. He's like, oh, yeah, you know. Like, I didn't know that was him. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's the story Tom told me. So, <laughs> like, he, what Tom, so Tom Parker was like, told me that Michael was driving, and what, it, what happened before the construction is that the workers were clearing a bunch, like, just chipping a bunch of plants. And I guess there had been a catoniaster, um, like, obscuring it. And like that got chipped and cleared away. And then the crew was like clearing more and they were going to throw the chips on top uh, in this one area. And, but there was a cop car, so they couldn't do it. So they had to point their chipper elsewhere. And so in this area, Michael's like driving by and he sees it's either like an on-ramp or an off-ramp and just like a quick flash. He's like, that looked like a Manzanita. (laughs) And he like goes back and it was a fucking Franciscan Manzanita and it's like 12, it was like, it's like 12 feet long by like six feet wide and a few feet tall. And he's like freaking out. So he calls Tom Parker and then Mike Vasey, who's the other Manzanita guy, to come and confirm the ID. And there's like hubcaps and like shit all thrown in it. Um, it was really cool. So Caltrans had to move the whole thing. So they can Dug it out in one block, right? Oh, yeah. There's really neat on the cover of the... Um, of the CNPS journal. There's a really cool photo. They like dug the whole thing and the root ball put it and with a crane, put it on a flatbed and then at night moved it to a secret location in the Presidio with like serpentine and all that. It was so cool. So I was like, yes, I'm starting grad school. I'm going to figure out the Manzanitas. <laughs> I totally didn't because they were Manzanitas. That's crazy. I know. Yeah. I get so hyped. Like my blood pressure is up right now. Mm-hmm. I tell I'm such a buzzkill at botany parties because everyone's like, "Yeah, we fucking know." Like, we've lived here the, our whole lives. I'm like, "Yeah, well, I moved here four years ago, and this is the craziest it's shit I've ever heard." So fucking cool. Um, and like the fact that there's that, and then there's Ravens Manzanita. Like, there's two yep. Manzanitas in the Presidio. I'm one degree of separation from Alice Eastwood via Peter Raven. And Alice Eastwood, have you ever read about her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he he met her and would spend time with her when he was like 10 years old. When he was a Boy Scout finding new fucking manzanitas. Yeah. What the? Who does that? Like literally a Boy Scout. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Eastwood, she did. She was like Owens Valley was her jam, right? For lack Mount, of a better term. And Mount Tam. Mount and Tam. Mount Tam. That's so um, wild. Yeah. She's fucking amazing. She, uh... So if you haven't read, I have her books here because they're really good. There's 
there's these books that were written in tributes after she died. One's called Alice Eastwood's Wonderland. Um, it's really cool. There's a great picture of her in it. And it's all these like stories about her. There were two. And this one's Perennial Adventure, a tribute to Alice Eastwood. So these are really cool books that Cal Academy put out. Um, but they're really great stories about her. And one of my favorite things is someone um, someone asked her about like why she never settled down with a man. And she was like, <laughs> I, I've, I've spent time with plenty of men. I just don't time, have time for a man. <laughs> like, like I got plants to see, dude. Yeah. Well, and do you know she saved the... Um, herbarium specimens in Cal Academy when it was burning down? No. Okay. Oh, wait. Maybe I did hear that story. Yeah. So 1906 earthquake, Cal Academy is like falling down and burning. She goes into the building and she rescues like her favorite, her prized like Zeiss Hanlins and um, all of the type specimens because when she basically like took over the herbarium at Cal Academy, she organized it and she was the first person to set it up to put like type specimens all together instead of having them all mixed in so she could just grab all the type specimens wrap them in like an apron i think and like put them out the window and saved all of these really important specimens from the earth like the damages of the earthquake she's a badass like she's seriously and jepson i think jepson seriously or secretly like like had a crush on her because he always made back he made he made a few backhanded comments about her in his journals. It's pretty good stuff. Well, Jepson was a dickhead. He was like a him and Green. Asshole. Well, Green was on some bullshit. Green would yeah. describe the same plant from year to year as a new species. So yes, but like as I understand it, Jepson was a real ball breaker back in the day. He was not a good human, good botanist, but good human. And I, I or other way around, bad bad human, good botanist. <laughs> He, all of his journals are at the Jepson Herbarium. Um, and I've been told that there's one that no one's allowed to see. That the uh -oh. curator keeps that has like, like hot goss on or like his opinions about other people. But Some hard R's in there. His other, <laughs> his other journals are scanned and publicly available on the Jepson's website. Uh, the herbaria and so i combed it because i wanted to see uh when i was working on manzanitas i backed out and started working on the arbutoidee the whole subfamily so i wanted to see because i knew he spent some time in the middle east and i wanted to know if he ever wrote about madrones like or arbutus that he saw there so i was combing and i would just find like little things he'd said about alice eastwood um one of the things he said was he was talking about somewhere in like the, I think it was like the East Bay. Maybe he was like, Oh, I went on such and such as ranch to, to botanize and ran into the landowner and Miss Eastwood had just been here. They, you know, the people love her. She's very of the people as like a side, like dig that she never had like a PhD or anything yeah. like that. Back in a She's compliment. not a snooty dickhead. No, no. But I'm like, I think he had the hots for her. And she was like, no, no, Jepson. So I think he was bitter about that. That's my theory. I mean, Willis Jepson was pretty hot back in the day. Dude, have you seen the picture of him in the front of the original, like the 1993 yeah, that's Jepson? Yeah, in my head. I'm like, shit. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. What you talking about, Willis? 
Alice Eastwood's like, I ain't got time for that. Yeah, listen, dude. <laughs> she's she's a badass. Um, she's one of my heroes, I think. I was like daydreaming I, in grad school. We were joking how fun it would be to be like at Cal Academy. They need to introduce a program that's like reenactments of their scientists getting back from expeditions. And could I like be Alice Eastwood with like a mule <laughs> and like all of my plants coming back from my expeditions to, to uh, you know, fill the herbarium? I don't think I could get paid for that, though. No, it could be like a fun extracurricular. You get one credit for being in like <laughs> botany drama club. Oh my god! You need to start that the botany <laughs> drama club. I mean, you basically There's already have fucking one. botany drama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never thought joining the world of plant nerds was going to be, like, the clickiest thing. Dude. It's really not. People are very sweet across the board, but people now and again are... you find a stinker. Oh, yeah. People are really nice, but they're also, like, I love in the beginning, and I think that it's not in the second edition of the Jepson, but where it talks about, like, correct pronunciation. Ugh. And if okay. and if, and if someone, like, presumes to correct you, just, like, smile knowingly and nod. But, like, just don't worry about it, basically. Yeah. So, this was, I recently made a poll about this. What, how do you pronounce Douglas Fir's Latin name? Douglas Fir? Yeah. Now I'm all scared. Excuse me. Sudasuga Douglasii? Or Douglasii, depending on the day? Oh, I was thinking Menzisii. Oh, Sorry, I have whiskey. Yeah, Suda Suda Suda. I have gin. Not like Ming. Like, what did you say? It's like Ming. <laughs> That's yeah. yeah. Is it so? Apparently, Menzies in yeah. German is Mingus or Ming Mingies. Yeah. So it's Suda Suda Ming Mingusi. Okay. Mingusi. I like Mingusi. Okay, so technically, this is one of. Oh, my internet connection is unstable. Oh well. Um. Technically, this is why I love that I learned from Bob Patterson because I can ask him these questions. One of his favorite things to say was like uh, when you'd ask him something or give an answer, he'd be like accurate but not adequate. <laughs> it's like Woof. my favorite. But like he's a like, true academic. But like lovingly, like not like he's just he's great. So you're technically supposed to pronounce commemorative names the way they're pronounced. Yeah. Yeah. So like how do you say and uh, I don't know how to even like, how do you say, how do you say Navaretia? I say Navaretia. Yeah. It's named for someone named Navaret. Oh. So, but like, I don't fucking care. If we're out in the field together and you're like, look at this Navaretia. And I'm like, yeah, that's a cool Navaretia. I'm not going to be like, actually, this is like, who cares? <laughs> Start throwing elbows. Who cares how you pronounce it? It's also, it's how I feel about old and new names. It's like, just stay on top of the changes or look up the synonym. Like, if you say Nacella, I say Stipa. Like, we know what we're fucking talking about. Yeah. Like, you can always look it up. So you're supposed to, with commemorative names, pronounce it the way it's Also, pronounced. it's stupid to name plants after people. Yeah. Can we just stop? Especially, like, old, dead, white dudes. Like, yeah, because really... there are people who had names for these plants before we decided they had new ones. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm sure you've seen um, in some of the CNPS journals, there was, like, an article about Clarkia. 
and not calling it Clarkian anymore because Clark had an enslaved man with him on his oh, yeah, expeditions and naming them naming it for him instead, which I'm like, yes, this is really cool. Like yeah, we're finally tight. Yeah, but then I'm like there's the international code of botanical nomenclature that you like have to go through. Like, <laughs> yeah, but they did it once. We could do it again. It's so stupid. It's all made up. Exactly. S- species aren't real. Well, that was one of the fun things about like the, the work that I did. Um, so I ended up working on instead of Manzanitas, I backed out and looked at the subfamily, which is, uh, Arbutus, Xylococcus, Ornithostaphylus, Arctostaphylus, Arctoas. Five genera. Um, because someone in my lab had done a little bit of work with that group and the Madrones fell out in two separate groups, like not being sister to each other. So I like went back into that, but doing it using chloroplast DNA and basically found the same thing that all of the Madrones in the uh, Mediterranean basin should be one genus and all of the rest of them over from this part of the world should be a different genus, totally split. Um, and then I had to dive deep into like, what is a genus? What is a species? When do you split stuff? What are we doing here? Yeah. And if you read, have you ever read Vern Grant's work? No. He's just like really crotchety, also very handsome, crotchety, like plant taxonomist, systematist who was like, who literally was like phylogeny shouldn't match like taxonomy. And I'm like, but they're supposed to, like you're supposed to, they're supposed to tell you context, like the names and the, like they're supposed to go together. So it was a whole, it was an interesting exercise diving into like, when do you split a genus? When do you split a species? Like, should you, why? And um, yeah, that kind of stuff I love to just sort of like, run down and think about but then i'm never going to publish because someone will like i'm afraid of people coming after me um if i change if i change arbutus all arbutus to something else over here well i mean they just did it with um okay here's another fun pronunciation prosopis or prosopis prosopis how i've said it prosopis they just nuked that into like six different genera yes i know (laughs) Like, ah! So it was like, hey. I'm here, know, for um, I'm here for it. I know. That was like, that was my 9-11. Um, <laughs> so with Arbutus, though, isn't it Arbutus mingusii is its own, should be its own like monotypic genus because it's more closely related. Or no, like the old world man, uh, old world Arbutus is more closely related yes. to the Manzanitas. Ta- is this from the, the write-up in Tom's book? The, the Probably. Mo- yes. So he, he, this is from my work, our work that I'm, I need to publish. Yes. So what it is, that is was like, you. yeah, all of the Madrones. So there's like 11 species. We have one, right? Arbutus menziesii. And then there's like Arbutus halopensis. There's nine other species down in, in like Mexico and Baja and Central America. So there's like nine. And then over in the Mediterranean basin, there's two species. And then there's a third on the Canary Islands. So there's three over there. Those three completely fall out separate and... Those are like in one group. And then the rest of them over in our part of the world on the Western Hemisphere are um, not even sister to the other five genera in the subfamily, 
or butoidee. It's really weird. But that was like, that was like my, um, I mean, that was like 10 years ago and using two chloroplast regions. So it confirmed what was seen with the IT, with the nuclear DNA, which is that the two groups of madrones aren't even sister to each other. Like it's hard without a tree to show you, but they're not sister. So they need to be split. And the old world, uh, I don't like old world, the Mediterranean basin species were named first because Linnaeus. So that means everything else over here needs to go to a new genus that theoretically I could pick if I ever decide to publish. Yeah. But it's just like, it's too much That's work. so cool though. It's yeah. so much power. I know. So, well, the thing was, is like I... So I reached out to Paul Sorensen, who every specimen I looked at, like every herbarium specimen of a madrone, he had like collected or annotated, I swear to God. And there's like even in the Jepson herbarium, um, an Arctostaphylus, or uh, sorry, an Ornithostaphylus specimen that he even pulled up like the whole burl. Have you ever seen Ornithostaphylus oppositifolia? Uh, I've only seen a couple of pictures of it. Yeah. I've not paid much attention. Cool, so there's some in the um, Tilden Botanic Garden. It's a beautiful oh, really? plant. Yeah. And then it's down in oh, shit, like on the border. Recently. Yeah. Yeah. It's a gorgeous plant. Um, it has little tiny burls though too. So he like literally put the whole little thing with the burl like on a sheet. It was amazing. So Paul Sorensen's name keeps popping up everywhere. And he actually is the author of the genus Dahlia in the Flora Neotropica. So I like really? reached out to him. I was like, I see you've touched madrones and others in this group. Like, what's up with like, tell me more. And he was like, yeah, I would see all of these like with dahlias. And I got interested in the group. Um, and I'm like, so what do you think about the, the, the madrones over here and over there? He's like, well, I thought in the 90s they should have been split, but I decided to let sleeping dogs lie and just, like, not touch it. So I was like, interesting. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. So he's retired. He's He was up in, I can't remember where we were, it was while I was in grad school emailing him. So I was basically like, do I have your blessing? Like, would you back this up? Because I... I'd seen herbarium specimens and some things in the field, but I didn't like have my hands on all of them. And I would never propose a split without having like better knowledge like that. So he was like, yeah, I would back you up on that. <laughs> I was like, okay, dude, that's, that's cool. That's so cool. Yeah. So we have like the genetics, you know, the, the morphology, there's morphological differences with the fruits and then like the geographic differences. So to me, it's like you have all three of the pieces like, okay, split that that's a that's a good argument to split something. Um, but yeah, I need to finish that <laughs> someday. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize I had an exclusive with the potential splitter. I know. But see, like, I like all of it. Like, I truly just like systematics and taxonomy. So like, if you give me like your story for why you're splitting or lumping. I'm like, I'm here for it. Like I just like when Naomi Fraga finally fixed Mimulus, I was like, thank you. Like it's actually better. The key is better. Like I don't care that there are new names I have to learn. This key is easier to use. Like, yeah. So I just, I think it's like what we see should inform whether we lump or split and you should be careful about when you do it. 
Um, and of oh, course, absolutely. we get like emotionally attached to things. Like, yeah, but it's like, fuck that. I mean, I I, yeah. I get very emotionally attached, but it's more for like entertainment than it is actually like trying to prove a point. Okay, so what plants are you emotionally attached to? I am well. They just also nuked Baraginaceae last yeah, December. Yeah, but the key is ago. so much better now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I was just starting to like wrap my head yeah. around that. And then they, um, oh god, Philizma's in it. The yeah. Lem Lem Lemnaceae. Yeah. Lenoaceae. Yeah. Lenoaceae. Yeah. They just moved that or split it. There was something with that. So Lenoaceae existed when I first learned plant taxonomy, and then it went away, and now it's back again. Oh, okay. It's like when I so first I, I, learned plant tax, like everyone was losing their minds because Liliaceae had just been split into no. uh, like people are still like what's agavaceae and you're like no this makes great sense that shit's not yeah. all lilies like what are you talking about so i just there's oh there's a really good i don't have it here but there's a if you're inter interested in this kind of shit there's a really good book called how plants get their names by lh bailey and it was like written in the 20s but he talks about like how what is he? He he says nature has no straight jackets. If you <laughs> if you're looking for an unchanging nomenclature or like ideas of things, like you're in the wrong field. Like get out of it. So I, like I find it, I find it really liberating that like I could botanize California my whole life, and I'm still never gonna see everything, and it's always gonna be changing. So like therefore like I am free from feeling like I have to memorize everything. I just need to be, like, a good observer and use keys. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there are some people I know that really do, like, know everything, at least about the area you're in with them at mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. And they're fantastic, but, like, I can't imagine, like, my brain just will not accept information on that scale. So it's, I mean, like, nice. Every day's new. <laughs> yeah, well, and also, like, I... I don't think I could ever just like manage one piece of land. That's another reason why I love um, the kind of work that I do. It gets me all over California, Nevada, Oregon. Like I'm flying down to San Diego Monday down to the border, basically like near Hakumba to do some surveys. Like I get to go all over the place and like experience botanical whiplash like every mm -hmm. season because I'm in a new place and I really love that. Like it can be disorienting, but it like, it really helps you keep a fresh perspective and how you take things in. Like you, I might notice things that someone who's been there for years doesn't because like, it's all fresh to me. And I just, I love, I just like being exposed to all different, different habitats, different environments. And it just, like I said, I, once I became comfortable with like, it's going to be hard. I have to, you know, onboard myself with this stuff. It's like, okay, this is fine. Don't have to know everything. Yeah. I'm suspicious of botanists who, who shoot from the hip on everything and, and, and act as though they have every species memorized. That's like a big yeah. red flag for me. And it's definitely like, you're not shouting out the ones you don't know because you don't know them. So it's definitely <laughs> like, there's definitely a bias there, a confirmation yeah. bias. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just also who I learned from, and I'm just, I'm cautious. Like, I feel like every season I go through the same thing with, like, Calendrinia. Like, I see red maids, and I'm yeah. like, oh, what is this weird oxalis? And I'm like, oh, yeah. shit, look at those sepals. Dude, what Never is mind. that? <laughs> that? It's like there's a weird 
memory wipe you get every yes. year. I'm like Calendrinia ciliata, which I think they've even changed the name yeah. now or recently did again. To Mingus. Yeah. Mingusia, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. It's That's like one of the first plants I learned in California. Yeah. Because yeah. they'll bloom out of concrete if they can. Yes. And it's just like, and they're so why pretty. can't. Yeah, they're the best. I, any, I don't know. I'm a sucker for the maids. If I'm, if I'm fond of any plant, like milk maids, <laughs> red maids. Yep. They just make them so like cute and like over the garden wall e. <laughs> so my favorite group of plants, like yes, I worked on the manzanitas, but my heart is with the 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 belly plants. So I had never like I grew up in California, but I'd never spent time on the east side of the Sierra until I put took plant taxonomy at SF mm-hmm. State. And Bob Patterson, when he taught it, he takes his students over spring break for like three or four nights into the desert and you camp at a different place every night and you see like Mojave National Preserve, Anza Borrego, um, go to Kelso Dunes. So I had my mind blown. I was like, what is this desert? Like, this is amazing. And Bob took us, you know, he'd been going out there for 30 years. He'd been taken as a student and took us to all the amazing spots. So I fell in love with the Polynoni ACE. I... Love that. God bless you. They're just like, (laughs) they're in years of super blooms. And you you were working near um, Ridgecrest. So have you been to Short Canyon? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Short Canyon, like Sand Canyon. Yes. uh, All those complexes there. Yeah. Yeah, That was where we went all the time. Yeah. Short Canyon has Facilia Nasciana. That like see we went in the extreme drought of last year i didn't uh, see a goddamn thing so these places, and then it rained a bunch yeah well so these places i went as a student i then i ta plant taxonomy and basically they couldn't get rid of me so i went back every year and i go if i don't end up in the desert for work i go by myself every year for like to get to the desert um and so I've seen that place in super blooms like with with the linanthus dichotomous like being a fucking carpet have you ever seen that the night blooming no oh fuck it's i missed so... out so hard we'll have to go there will be another super bloom I'll i'm down that's places. my i still have friends out there we could make it a ridgecrest weekend that'd be yes. fun as fuck it's so the polymones and especially um there's this one that that it'll grow anywhere but it really likes desert pavement langoisia sedosissima subspecies punctata lilac sunbonnet it's like you gotta look it up it's like a nickel size flower and the whole plant is even smaller than the flower and it has these beautiful um spotted you know like lines that are actually little spots nectar guys oh my god holy shit it's beautiful and i didn't realize that bob was doing this so i would i would go with him when he was taking students and i was taing plant tax and we'd like stop and you know i'd kind of scout and and walk around looking for plants to alert bob to bring the students to and he'd be like over there being like, hey, you guys, watch what happens when Cheryl finds this plant. She's going to like do this <laughs> thing. Apparently, I have like a weird voice, like a voice that happens that, <laughs> that he calls the robot voice. So I'd be like, <laughs> oh, you're so beautiful. Look at this plant. And Bob would be like, she did it. Like, and they're all laughing at me. And I don't know what the fuck is going on because I'm like freaking out about a belly plant. I was thinking so it's not related to well actually before I say something stupid let me look at them side by side yeah no um, 
Desert Calico. Yeah. Looks super similar. Celiastrum? Yeah. That's like yeah, my second most favorite. <laughs> They're like both polymones. And that one's so cool because it's it's bilateral symmetry, the flower. Yeah. It's a bilateral polymone. It's so cool. Yeah, sometimes those um, will be growing together and then I really lose my mind because they're just like, I can't handle the belly plants. They're pretty great. I can't handle desert pavement. Like that whole, oh like when I first God. got out there, I was like, because growing up in coastal Massachusetts, it is the furthest thing from yeah. the Mojave like yeah. basin and range you could imagine. Yeah. It was just like... There's like a, a, an emotion that does not have a name that I get when I'm out there that Ugh. I don't get anywhere else. No, I'm truly like the desert is my happiest place. Any desert, any of the any of the Great Basin, the Mojave, whatever. Um, if I don't get out there every year, part of my soul feels like it shrivels because <laughs> it's just desert pavement is amazing. I mean, it's first of all, like just the time scale and like how long it takes for something like that to form. Yeah. And when you're in the desert and all the geology is just like in your face and you can see, you can like time travel just by looking at, I don't know, it blows my mind. I love it. Like you can see the high water marks on the glacial lakes that formed at the end of the ice age. Like yeah. That's in, that what you can see where the lakes were. Like yes. that shouldn't be. <laughs> yes. I was. Like, so I you was, see the white line on the mountain. That's where the water used yes. to be. Like, what? I was, so I was working up like in Nevada. It was this really cool project that went, it was a fiber optic line that went from Reno to Vegas. So it was like a transect across Nevada. It was so cool. I got to do botanical surveys and wetland delineations, but we were in an area um, like hiking on a trail for funsies, me and my coworkers. And it was like an interpretive trail. And so I'm like standing and I'm looking and I'm like, that looks like an old shoreline. That's so weird. And they're like, yeah, Cheryl, look at the sign. And the sign's like, <laughs> this is the old Lake Lahontan. I was like, what? Like, it's just, and then you can imagine like the wetland and it's just like that stuff blows my mind. It's so cool. It's amazing. Glacial Lake Mojave still fills up just a teensy bit in the mm -hmm. monsoon years. Like I was out, it's just north of Baker. There's a lake bed mm -hmm. and the army plowed a little road through it. So there's about six inches of dirt on each side of the road uh -huh. and the rain, the rain catches it just enough that for a day or two, it just sits out there. Uh, and I'm like, it's so back. Cool. Like it's back. Seeing standing water. Like I got to delineate a real deal playa that was like holding water in Nevada. Yeah. It was so fucking cool. I'm also, I also do wetland delineations and that, that keeps me busy year round. Um, and that's a really important part of permitting for projects, but you get to dork out on soil. So like you have to like dig soil pits and, and like read hydrology. And it's real. if you're into detail, little shit, like I am, it's perfect. But playas are amazing. Like there are these just like huge sheets of water that will just like sit there, you know, like inches deep and take weeks, months to evaporate. Yeah. I had a dream that Death Valley filled back up like in earnest and the, over the summer. And then they had that two inch rain day in mm -hmm. August. Mm -hmm. It was like the wettest day in a thousand years or something. Yes. yes. Um, and then it did. <laughs> so I'm a prophet. Get on board. <laughs> this is the, this is the, you know, the boat's still Are at you dock. You can do this thing. Yeah, man. I, I had a blog for about six months during uh, COVID called, like plant cult or something and uh -huh. then 
I got really sick of writing blog posts, so I just stopped. So now you're doing a podcast. It. So now I'm doing a podcast. Now I can just talk my shit and drink my drink. <laughs> Although it. editing takes like four times as Dude, long. Dude, I was gonna say like this this the work that goes into this kind of stuff is a lot. Like you must have a lot of free time on your hands. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm a white man with a podcast. I thought that was pretty self-evident. <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, okay. Fuck, Mary kill. Jepson, Linnaeus, Darwin. Well, I think we already decided fuck would be Jepson. Yeah. Yeah, not Mary. Mary Darwin. Kill Linnaeus. Yeah, I, was, I would yeah. kill Linnaeus too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would go on a boat with Darwin and study barnacles. That'd be pretty cool. I want to study sundews with him. Did he study sundews? Actually, he said that he thinks, I'm going to butcher this quote, but there was a quote by him. He was just like, I think sundews are more important than every other species in the world. He's like, he was just so gassed up because he's like, you know, as like a devout Christian in the 1800s, when a plant supersedes the food chain and is now back on top, like Linnaeus had the opposite impression. He's like, sundews are an affront to God. This is the devil's plant. I fucking hate this thing. I'm going to go eat a bonbon. In France or whatever the fuck. <laughs> like, they had just completely polar opposite ideas on Sundays. And I'm very much like, holy shit, this plant is has evolved to be back on top. Like, it won. They're amazing. Um, I got to do a wetland delineation actually in, a, in an acidic fen in Mendocino County a couple months ago. And there were some, sun, the native sundew, Drasa rotundifolia. And I'm just like, what is this alien thing doing here? And it's... yeah. That whole ecosystem, that could be a whole 10-episode 10, 10 podcast on, like, fens and how crazy they are. Like, I know back east, you guys have, like, real bogs, and I've seen those. And we don't actually have any bogs in California. They're all just fens because, you know this, I'm sure, fens become bogs. Mm-hmm. Fens have an inlet or an outlet. Bogs do not. So we have fens, like, all along, like, the Mendocino Coast. There's a couple there, like, Jug Handle area. But it was just so cool to be like, you just aren't used, I'm just not used to seeing things like a sundew like in nature. That's the other thing. Like I, I think gardens are cool. I love it when people can grow stuff. I appreciate it. But like, there's nothing like seeing things where they're supposed to be that makes me so excited. Like, it, yeah. Yeah. Like there's, I love like there's a kind of a small movement now for bog gardens oh yeah you have just like the super wide kind of deep terracotta pots and you yeah. just yeah. fill it out with sphagnum and then put yeah. whatever carnivores you want um yeah. that's incredible that people can recreate those conditions but to just be like i have fallen through all right disclaimer i know you're not supposed to do this but i have fallen through so many standing peat mats like in bogs back east Mm -hmm. because they're saracenia and uh yes whatever orchids yeah but um it's just like it's so clean in a way because it's just sphagnum and then a carnivorous plant yeah and that's it so i was trying to dig soil pits in this in and that do you know how much soil like how much plant material there is before you get there's like 16 inches of like yeah plant material and then there's a technical term it's like a technical definition for muck 
which is like broken down plant material to a certain phase where it's like this greasy black and it's back yeast everywhere, but it's not really common here. So we were like digging, digging a pit and I was like, oh my God, I think this is muck. And we were like so excited <laughs> because of the muck and the acidic fen. It was so cool. And like the mineral layer is like 16 inches under vegetation. It's like the, the peat man, you know, that preserved the guy who was like oh. thrown into a bog and how he was like yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, shit doesn't break down. Don't throw bodies in defense. They won't Yeah, decompose. we'll never get away with it. Did you see they found butter in a bog and <laughs> they unwrapped it? It was like in a leather pouch or whatever. And it was from like 1600 BC or something insane, insane like that. That's and amazing. They, yeah, they unwrapped it and they ate it. It was like, yeah, it's butter. <laughs> I love a- that part of science when we're like, we've uncovered this, you know, look into the cuisine of the ancient Romans. We found this jug of wine that's from 4,000 years ago. Yeah. Okay, we've documented it, right? Let's drink it. Yeah, let's just, like, <laughs> let's, eat Let's it. get in there. I mean, there have been a couple of times way out in the desert where I found sealed jars of things, and I've been like, should I open this and smell it? I, I feel mm-hmm. like I've... I know, I, there was something... I'll probably edit this out because I'm totally blanking, but I thought I found something once. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I found... You know what? No. I found a beer on the street recently and it was unopened. I was like, yes. <laughs> the stuff that we find on the side of the road, like nothing. So Matt Berger, I'm sure you've, you follow him on Instagram. Oh yeah. He finds bodies. Okay. So I pulled him in as a, as an on-call to help us with our surveys in Nevada with my company. Uh-huh. So he comes out to do botanical surveys with us. It's fucking great. I love him. He's a great human. I'm so glad like, He's one of those people who gets just as, like, dorked out as I do over seeing a plant I've seen a thousand times. And mm-hmm. it's just this, like, great feedback loop where we're so excited and happy. But he found, like, two guns, a $100 bill. He found a $1 bill. He found a mining claim. He finds the craziest shit. Like, I've found, I found, like, some, um, like, 12-inch long shell, like, gun shells i don't even know what they would be for in one of those like they're on like a long clip like what chewbacca wears kind of a thing out in the middle of a wash in the desert like i've found that but matt gets out there and finds like two guns (laughs) yeah don't touch that man don't get your prints on those things (laughs) (laughs) no um the other thing too um, roadside work is like you all rite of passage is you have to find a dildo or a vibrator like that just happens I have never found that. I found with my seed collection career out in the Mojave, we found um, like a, a paperweight that was just a rubber boob. It, it wasn't like an implant. It was just like a, it was a whole tit. Like just Wait, how out do you in the know middle. it's a paperweight though? Because what else could it be? <laughs> Please let it art? be a paperweight. I don't know. Art? Like somebody's like. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Um, we found uh, a woman mannequin that was shot to hell. Oh god, that's freaky. Some of yeah, the shit but... humans do in the middle of nowhere. It's... I know. I, came... I also didn't have a concept of the middle of nowhere until I came to the desert. Oh, like, it's, holy... it's... it's all old growth. If, it's, if there's no building going on, that is how it's been yes. since Creosote showed up 11,000 yes. years ago. I love it. It's... And it's also like there's nowhere that's as quiet as the desert. Yeah, where, I have like, tinnitus, so that's so a double-edged sword. Okay, <laughs> so I didn't know that I had tinnitus, and it must have just developed recently. I was staying 
um, when I like to go on my desert adventures, I like to go and stay on like BLM lands where nobody else is. So I was like out in the middle of nowhere at this really cool, actually petroglyph site that I'm not going to name. If you want to know about it, you have to ask me about it. It's got thousands of petroglyphs. So is that is there... it near Ridgecrest? No. Okay. It's I thought near... I knew it. I'll, I'll tell you. It's, we could talk okay. later. Um, <laughs> it's a really special place. It's on BLM lands. It's not... If you know to look for it, you can find it. But So I'm staying out there. I already felt kind of like, maybe I shouldn't be staying out here by myself. This feels like a special area. But I was like, that's fine. It's okay. So I like go to sleep and I wake up in the middle of the night because I hear like this beeping. And it sounds like oh. old, like, telegraph, like, beep, 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 beep. And I realize Ooh. it's my fucking ear. Oh. And that I'm like, oh, cool. I have tinnitus, apparently. So now it's like it comes and goes. It's really weird. Um, but the, the first time I noticed it. Yeah, the first time I noticed it was, like, out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you should try to uh, decrypt it. I know. It <laughs> I Kill knew. John Lennon. <laughs> If I knew Morse code, I mean, like, <laughs> usually I notice that if I'm like stressed or I'm not sleeping well or like too much caffeine, it gets worse or whatever. But huh. that was weird because I was already kind of like feeling eerie about the place. And then I heard this this noise wakes me up in the middle of the night. That's trippy that it woke you out of your sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It was really disorienting. So I was, what I usually do is like rent a truck or whatever and sleep in the truck bed. And I definitely was like, I'm going to go in the cab now. (laughs) Like close the doors. (laughs) I was all skewed out. It was great. It was fun though. I like, part of it is fun just being out solo and some of being like uh, a little bit scared is just part of it. Yeah. I mean, Obviously, it's different for me because I'm a big, tall dude, so yeah. I definitely don't have to worry about as many things. But mm-hmm. like, I'm such a baby when it like I would I don't know if I would go backpacking solo like on a multi day trip. I don't. Well, so like, what I like about this, and I guess this is sort of car camping, but it's like not, is like there's I usually don't see another human because I'm not on a trail or a campsite or a place people go. Yeah. And so, like, usually when I go, I'm safe. Like, three people I know have a KMZ of where I'm going to be. And I'll get into service, like, once a day and check in or whatever. But, like, I I really enjoy being alone. And then at the same time, I've had friends come with me on these trips. And I also love, like, showing them these places. It's, yeah. It's also fun. Yeah. I was... Uh, do you know the Elephant Tree Canyon in yes. Anza Borrego? Yes, I do. Uh, so I missed the turnoff to that little tiny side uh-huh. canyon, uh-huh. and I was out in the big one. Yeah. And I, I had just enough service. My friends were going to meet me. They're like, oh, they're coming from San Diego. I had spent the night out there before. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, we're an hour away. And I was like, perfect, cool. My car, you'll see it. Just start mm-hmm. hiking up. I'll hike back, and I'll meet you. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny <laughs> if I took all of my clothes off and then just <laughs> ran out from behind a bush and crossed the Is road that that like I was photo fixing. that you keep no <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not draw that connection yeah no one. there's there's been several um <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and I'm waiting like like I like I'm kind of like my belt's kind of off and I'm like <laughs> Waiting and waiting I'm and waiting, waiting and it's with my belt kind of off. Yeah, and I was just like, "Oh, this is gonna be hilarious." I'm gonna be like, "Uh, naked boy," uh-huh. um, and then 
I'm like, all right, I'll hike forward. And then once I hear them, because I know they talk so loud, yeah. I'm like, I'll hear them. I'll di- dip behind creosote. I'll do the thing. It'll be great. Um, and then they end up like three hours later, I'm back at my car and I'm like trying to find service. And I'm like, what the fuck? They just missed my car entirely. Like they're in a different part of the park. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. holy shit. If anybody else had come up that trail, I would have been a felon. That would have been bad. You could be on the sex offenders list. Yeah. That'd be great. But the, um, <laughs> yeah, God, uh, <laughs> the photo you were referring to was, um, when I was out in the Mojave and Ridgecrest, you ever, you, have you been to the Burrow Schmidt tunnel? No. So there was this eccentric dude, um, named Burrow Schmidt who, uh, out in the fifties, thirties, thirties through fifties, he was like, I'm gonna revolutionize the, the boron industry and mm. like heavy, you know, like rare earth minerals and all mm-hmm. these things. I'm gonna dig a tunnel straight through this granite mountain range from like southeast of Ridgecrest to the town of Mojave, where Holy the train shit. was. Yeah. And he got like a mile and a half in. He'd used dynamite by himself. Several times people would be like, oh, Broschmidt hasn't come to town. Like, we should go figure it out. They have to go dig him out of, you know, his legs are pinned by some boulder that fell on him. What? Uh, eventually, eventually just, they just built the 14. Or I guess the 395 in that stretch. Yeah. And so, but he was just like, I got to see it through, man. Like, I spent most of my life doing this. So you can go out still. You can just walk all the way. Because he never made it to the other side, but he did wow. dig, like, a little access side tunnel, mm-hmm. or somebody did. So mm-hmm. um, I was with my crew, and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I was, like, a feral human, and you just turn on the flashlight, and I'm there, and I just skitter off into the night. And then it became, like, every time we're out camping, I'm like, let's do the feral human thing. <laughs> That's funny. My partner calls me a feral biologist. Like every time I come back from the field, they're like, oh, look, it's the feral biologist again. I'm like, what? What are you, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Do you know if the, um, God, I'm blanking on the name and I've never forgotten it. The name of the gas station at the turnoff for Short Canyon that was like, that's been for sale for years. Oh, in Pearsonville, quote unquote, no, with the giant lady with the tire emporium. No, no, no. Okay, I'll have to look it up. But it's like, oh, oh, no, it's the the. No, I'm thinking of a couple towns up, like Olanka, <gasps> Olancha. No, it's literally like, Shit. it's how I map it. It's this little. It's not even a town. It's just a gas station, but it has its own, um, like unincorporated name. But anyway, it was for sale. It's been for sale for like a couple million dollars for a few years now. Oh, Brady's. It's called Brady's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, have you ever been inside that place? He has like weird (laughs) knickknacks and like, it's, the dude is really creepy. I don't know if the place is still for sale, but friends and I contemplated, we're like, would it be cool to buy this place and like be right at the gateway to Short Canyon? Nah. No. No. Because <laughs> then you're responsible for a gas station. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's close to the Indian Wells, the brewery. Yeah, yeah. that's a cool little spot. Yeah. Um, except then you see the spring out behind where they're drawing their water from. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah. Oh. I wanted to make that my hangout, but it's like literally a 25 minute drive because it's on the other side of the highway. It's from isolated. Yeah. 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 So we stayed 
I don't think it was a short, it was Sand Canyon, which is right over there too. Uh-huh. We were there on a field trip and someone like, um, someone lost their car keys <laughs> and there's like oh, 10 of fuck. us students. And it's, I guess it's like they do a lot of interpretive programs with the students um, in the school in Ridgecrest. They like come into Sand Canyon and do, there's like a little riparian area or whatever. So we're all like hung over. There's like beer cans and we're like trying to like find this guy's car keys and this like school bus comes rolling up. We're like, oh shit. I don't know. I think that guy ended up having to get his car towed to like a dealership somewhere. Um this is why you don't get those like switchblade keys because like no. the piece falls off. Yeah. That was oh, that's really... what happened. The yeah. little the hinge broke. Yeah. That's yeah. Bad luck. That so you're sucks. just like screwed. You can't you can't get out of there. I've had pretty good luck. I've had like several flat tires, but I've never been like totally broken down in the middle of nowhere. Knock on wood. I probably just cursed myself. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's been all flat tires and maybe like. Um. No, I we had a coolant light come on, but it was just the gauge was broken. Yeah. Well, actually, I should say I've had an experience where. Have you ever been to the Kingston Mount, the Kingston Range? Is that the one? No, I don't think so. It's like east of Death Valley. Um, oh then no. Yeah, so it's yeah. this really beautiful. It's a really beautiful range. It's like so. It's like west of Vegas, um, and I was out there in the area for field work we were doing a wetland delineation and there's a playa on the other side of the range. And I was like, well, it's important for us to see this playa for our work. So let's drive through the range to look at it. And we get to like the top and there was a light dusting of snow on top. And my coworker's car is like, like stalling and like not working. And I'm like, great. Like I, I basically take us on this bullshit extracurricular field trip and then the car breaks down. I'm going to get into like so much trouble. (laughs) So we ended up like we limped it like down the mountain and got to some like gas station um, like a half hour away. And we had to go all the way to Vegas, get it towed to Vegas to the dealership. And we found out that there was water in the fuel because we went to fucking Pahrump and got gas. So don't get gas in Pahrump. They watered down their gas there? I don't know. Like, that's the only <laughs> thing they were like, where did you get gas last? There's water in it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that was like the only only other. I've had pretty good luck with field vehicles, like surprisingly. Um, had four flat tires this last field season, so that was really fun. I'm very good at changing tires now. Yeah. We had, we were out near... Um, Kingsman, Arizona, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and my crew lead brought his dog for the weekend. Mm. For the week we were out there, and that dog, God bless him, um, sniffed a teddy bear <gasps> and just got a snoot full of it. Oh, so no. like he's like, "Fuck! All right, I I found the one vet in Kingsman that'll do this. Like I gotta go." He had brought his own van that he had pimped oh. out into like a little house. Yeah, yeah. So he brings the poor dog. It ended. Up, he, the dog's fine, um, but. So we're like, all right, we'll, you know, we'll finish up scouting this area and then we'll come meet you. And then like 20 minutes later, we're like pulling out and we get a flat. And they're like, what the fuck? Like it was day one out there. But it was during the sulfur butterfly, the sulfur cloud, sulfur cloud butterfly migration. That's cool. In like September. Yeah. That was gorgeous. That was worth it. Dude, I don't, I don't know how people have dogs in the desert, like between snakes and cacti. (sighs) Yeah. It's just, it's such a. 
and dogs like to sniff everything, and everything that's sniffable is damaging Have you ever to been you. stabbed by a Choya before? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I've gotten to the bone a couple oh. times. Oh. Oh, God. I had I, a Choya. Oh. I don't know if you can see this. Like, you see that light or the yeah. kind of purplish patch? Yeah. I, had, I was planting Coast Choya. Um, oh, mm-hmm. And I, like, I, was, I had gloves on, and I just caught it wrong, and I got a spine snapped off right there. And I tried digging it out, couldn't find it, like, got as much as I could. It was like, all right, my body oh. will absorb it or spit it out soon, whatever. <laughs> For six months, I had a purple welt. And then I remember uh. on election night where Trump finally lost. You I just dug it out? I, I, no, I squoze the hell out of it. And then it shot across my bathroom. <laughs> And then the next day, my finger was completely healed. I was like, That's dude, what? I've been there for six months. I've definitely, like, I was doing some surveys in the old woman mountains, I think. They're called, like, south of southwest of Vegas. And it's, like, this, like, decomposing granitic with, like, choya everywhere. So you're, like, slipping and sliding. And I, like, slipped and got one, like, on my leg. And then my friend who was with me, like, we didn't know the trick with the wide tooth comb. You know, with a, you take a comb and that's how you oh, get, yeah. get it out. So, we did, so she has, like, two pencils. She can't get it out. So I'm using pencils trying to, like, pop it off my leg. And it comes off and just, like, the from gravity, the, the segment landed on my thumb. And, like, three spines went into my fingernail. Like, into my nail. It's <laughs> just, like... Why does this like plant that. have to be so, like, nasty? I'm not trying to hurt you. <laughs> so are they, like, magnetic? Can they just sense you? They just break off and come over to you? I mean, I'd rather deal with, like, like this is my favorite question to ask people who do field work. Would you rather get rid of ticks forever or poison oak forever? Poison oak. Yes. I have no issues with ticks. 100%. I got, like, Yes. I got bit by one tick in May, and then I didn't see them again this year. Yeah, they, it wasn't a bad year for ticks. That's weird. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Like, I would, I, ticks, you're just like, cool, they see you, get off of me. Like, as long as you check, you're fine. But poison oak, it's like, I need to cultivate more of an appreciation for that plant because i know it's, it's like pretty foliage in the fall it's great wildlife forage yeah. it also takes me a full two weeks to recover from a bad case of it i've never knock on wood i've never had it like i i scratched my hand one time with a branch mapping a river and got a little like on my hand but um i don't get it i don't think and i don't like I have a healthy fear. Like, if it's chest height, I won't walk through it. But if it's, like, up to my knees, I'll walk through it. See, I'm, like, healthy fear is, like, okay, I'm six inches at least away from it at all times. (laughs) So you have to, like, And I work in it a lot. I've gotten lucky. Yeah, Montara is covered in it. Yeah. Oh, I got it bad from there. I had it pretty much exclusive from, like, knees down and elbows up for about a month when I was doing that job. Oh, God. And it's, I'll itch it bloody, because I'm like, I already have it. It doesn't spread. That's a myth. Like, I just, oh, I need something, man. Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> yeah, I, but, okay, so, like, the other side, though, is, like, I have the worst allergies. I'm, like, allergic to all the pollen. I have to be on, like, allergy meds and, like, a nasal thing, like, year-round. Or else, like, I cannot function. <laughs> it's like, I did one of those scratch tests a few years ago. Like, I went into the doctor because I was like, all right, I want to see what I'm allergic to. And she, like, does the whole, you know, have you ever seen this? They, like, scratch your back. Yeah. yeah. And she would be like, 
Ooh, that one's really <laughs> bad. And she's like, oh, that one's even worse. What is it that you do again? And I'm like, I'm a botanist. She's like, yeah, you're allergic to all of the pollen. <laughs> Damn. Like, you shouldn't shit. do that. <laughs> no, but I mean, I feel like I'd rather take that than poison oak because at least I can like take meds and be okay. That's true. I don't have any known allergies, but I had like once every couple of years, I'll just have a week where I'm like, oh, I'm dying. Like I can't breathe. I can't stop sneezing. Um, My eyes are like just streaming. I wonder what it is. Tears and mucus. I don't know. It was last this April. We had that hot spell. Yeah. And for that hot spell, this duration, I was just a blubbering mess. Yeah. I thought it was COVID. I was getting tested. Like allergies are no joke. My mom's allergic to everything. And yeah. like growing up, seeing her suffer, I'm like, I, I got the recessive on that. Oh, so you're so lucky. Yeah, I mean, medicine, it fixes it. I don't have to worry about it. But, like, when I forget, and, like, when I was a student and collecting for plant taxonomy, just, like, exposing myself to all the pollen, I didn't fucking know. And I didn't, like, have money to go to the doctor. And so I remember, like, one time I was collecting an oak branch and I like cut with catkins and it like dumped pollen all over my arm and I didn't have to like go to the hospital but I like <laughs> lost my voice or like I couldn't Holy shit. like it was I was like okay I'm allergic to oak pollen good thing I just rubbed it all over my arm now I know so I probably gave myself allergies I feel like Partially. yeah it's definitely I have definitely worked my way into like I didn't get poison oak for the first two and a half three years I was in California. Yeah. I get uh-huh. poison ivy super bad. Okay. But then. So wait, are they in the same family? Same genus. Okay, so you get poison ivy really bad, but you didn't get poison oak initially. I didn't, and then once I got poison oak, the floodgates opened. You exposed yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I know that like so I'm trying to not I'm not gonna like roll around in it. So I try to avoid it, but because I know it can um, build. Oh, that sucks, dude, because there's no getting around that. Nope. I got it on the palm of my hand once. You know how hard it is? You know how much oil you need to have for it to infiltrate a calloused palm? Well, like, I was so pissed. I mean, maybe your palms are a little weaker than you thought. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I just that had, like, the crazy. Pan's Labyrinth eyes for a while. <laughs> oh, God. That's so <laughs> bad. You can't get, like, any relief from that, can you? No. <sighs> yeah. No, thanks. That sucks. This is a great conversation. <laughs> yeah. On that note, do you want to wrap it up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. Yeah. No problem. Appreciate thanks it. for asking. It was pretty, uh, pretty random and fun. Hopefully people will find something interesting. <laughs> oh, they'll gleam something. <laughs>